Welcome back to our interview with David Steele. As we discuss his book, It Was Always a Choice, Picking Up the Baton of Athlete Activism. In part two, we will discuss the activism after George Floyd, the use of social media to advance the athletes' causes, and we'll have a little fun discussing who will be on the Mount Rushmore of activism and why. On that note, let's start the show. And with, I guess, with now with social media, do you find that the uh, the athletes are more outspoken now than they were back then, or no, is it just because it's easier to easier? That, yeah, that's always been a really fascinating um, uh, question because I mean, the, the the apparatus is in place for them to use it and to be seen and heard in ways that previous generations never have. And I've used that in a lot of really interesting, creative <laughs> uh, ways. And uh, being outspoken has been one of them. I mean, other times, you know, in the past, obviously, we could only rely on what we in the media could do. You know, were we get, were we going to have a conversation with Michael Jordan or, you know, any of the other past at superstar athletes about these issues. Um, you know that it was rare in the past. Um, I mean, basically what was, what was being planned for 1968 at the Olympics was being kept really, really under the radar until a bunch of international reporters started talking to John, uh, Tommy Smith and John Carlos. And they said, kind of like, Hey, I'm glad you asked that. And then boom, mm. they told everything that was a, uh, that right. was going on, and all of a sudden, all the all the all the all the media here, and that, and so that probably uh, held off a lot of that. When these guys have their own voices now, they can use them. Now, obviously, the media uh, landscape is bigger, so there are even more mics and and uh, cameras trained on the LeBrons and people like that now. Right. But they also make sure that they're heard on their own platforms. I mean, obviously, that's that's where Colin Kaepernick kind of started what he was doing. And sort of got on people's radar, so it wasn't a total shock when he started kneeling. People remembered, oh, whoa, he really came out hard uh, on Twitter and on I and on IG about what about those uh, about those killings. Uh, LeBron and Steph, you know, they go right on their uh, on their platforms. You know, literally my favorite tweet of all time. You know, I've saved it. I'll save the screenshot oh, yeah. of it. <laughs> and so hopefully it'll, it'll last even if Twitter doesn't. Uh, was when he when he uh, when he called uh, Donald Trump, you bum. You know, yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 I scroll back to that every once in a while and just laugh my head off. And like, how you know, I can't imagine that happening in a past, you know, like, you know, Tommy Smith saying that to like Nixon. I mean, it's it's hard to <laughs> it's hard to imagine. Right. Hard to envision. I mean. Maybe he would have if he had, had had a platform like that, but this is what LeBron had available to, to him, and he did it. And you start to see, and that, like the, the, you know, probably the best example is again, it's something I sort of uh, pointed out in the book. Um, the football players during 2020, during the George Floyd stuff, when they said, Roger Goodell, you have to admit that you were wrong in how you treated Colin Kaepernick and how you treated us players when we protested. You need to apologize and you need to state clearly on the record in front of everybody that Black Lives Matter. They didn't go to the networks. They didn't get their own show or, or anything like that. 
They right. went on Twitter and everything like that. They recorded it piece by piece, put it together, put it out there for everybody to see, including everybody in the NFL office. But the whole world saw that. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's something that, that you can't envision that happening 20 years ago, 30 years right. ago. Because even if they did, it would have got watered down in some some fashion. Yeah, you you go through a filter and the unfiltered nature. And and that's the potential of it. Now, how much will that go on? That's (laughs) That's another question. That's another question. We're seeing how fast the changes are taking place. It seems like, hey, Colin Kaepernick was seven years ago. Feels like a long time, but it was really like almost a blip because you saw how much it changed in four years right and now it's been three years since then so there may be yeah. more on the horizon that we just haven't envisioned yet and so now with the um you know the pandemic is somewhat over i mean i guess you know everyone feels it's over I hope it is. Um, <laughs> and you know black lives matter it's still there but of course it's kind of died down but you know they're they're black people still getting killed um, by police and, uh, you know, in subways and thing of that nature. So, but you don't see the protests so much now anymore. Um, is, so is it that the activism kind of at a slow, kind of a slow boil or things being done behind the scenes, or is it going to take another overt act for that to happen again? Yeah. The, the, the really, the thing about, these these waves of activism as they they've sort of evolved over the years is that you you know you really don't see them coming you don't know which one is going to be the uh uh the flashpoint you don't know what's going to uh what's going to light the fuse um i don't think any of us know i mean we we've it's been really unfortunate how many times we've seen a video of a, a police execution of somebody black over the years Something about the George Floyd one ended up being the one that blew everything up. Um, something about, you know, Philando Castile and Alton Sterling, you know, lit Colin Kaepernick's fuse, you know, four years mm. before that. It's hard to say which ones will be the ones to, to, to light things up. But when it does, the other unpredictable thing is what will be done about it? Because we didn't see, we didn't see it being Colin Kaepernick doing something and we didn't see kneeling become what it became Mm -hmm. uh, when it did. And we certainly didn't anticipate, you know, after George Floyd, the, the, you know, the mass protests and we didn't see teams boycotting um, playoff games or just walking off the court or the, or the, 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 uh, uh, the field or the, or wherever, um, you know, that year. Um, I sort of get the idea that, you know, I, you know, there may be a gesture that somebody makes that will change it. There may be a a phrase that galvanizes everybody. But if I had to say what might what's the most likely thing that would happen if something does happen, I think it would be some sort of walkout again. I think mm. people are going to remember what happened, you know, three years ago, um, and they're going to do things like walk. They're going to do things like walking out there. They're going to maybe walk out of a game walk out of an event, walk out of a match. It might be, you know, during the, it might be during the World Series. It might be during the NBA Finals. It might be, you know, there's, you know, Olympics right. are coming up next year. Right maybe, before Maybe the game. something like that. Yeah, right before. Right before the game. Right. Yeah. 
Mm -hmm. Or they might make a declaration saying, well, game is two days away. And we're telling you right now, we're not going to play, you know, mm -hmm. or national championship game or, or, or March Madness right. or something like right. that. Um, right. All the NCAA tournament, you know, you know, oh, college, yeah, yeah. the college athletes are going to be really interesting to watch. Yeah, yeah. The next several years. Oh, the world, yeah, the world would stop at March Madness. I, that's I, I might even get upset and go. Have you said this really going to catch people's attention? Yeah, absolutely. At the most critical time. Um, gotcha. And I think that would, you know, I, I think that would be the one. And I think we're okay. going to end up being shocked. It's like, wow, him or her? Or really? Yeah. That That's the one? Because that, yeah, that's, okay. what's, that's what's been the case uh, uh, you know, throughout history. That's kind right. of how, uh, how right. it's evolved. Okay. All right, so we're going to do something a little fun. Um, I mean, this has been a serious, heavy topic, so had to add a little fun to it. Uh, so, you know, I know you've heard about the Mount Rushmore of basketball, Mount Rushmore of this. So uh, I figured, hey, why don't we do the Mount Rushmore of, of athlete activists? Um, so who would uh, – and it's four, it's four heads, right? I just want to – It's four. You know, my yeah. history. Yes, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> who would be on the Mount Rushmore of athlete activists and so we i guess we um and you can either name them and then we'll set the criteria or set the criteria first and then name them you know i'll let you choose um hmm i will i will ask this because i think about this a lot um believe it or not it's it's, it's why i did this sort of cross our mind you know the temptation is to uh say tommy smith and jock carlos as one as one entity as one unit Am okay. I allowed to do that, or are they or do they have to be separate? We'll, we'll put. The, I mean, because it was so iconic, and yeah. you know, I was. I think one. It was nineteen sixty-seven. They did or sixty-eight. Yeah. So I was like, awesome. not even one yet, but right. I do remember the photo. I mean, it was right. Any any, any barbershop alive had that photo yes. in it, exactly. uh, and so you knew it yeah. before you knew it. It's, yeah, we, we we'll, we'll count them. We'll count them as as one. We'll just okay. make it a halfsies. So there you go. Cool, cool. Have one half the other. Yeah. Um. Okay, well then I'll uh, I, I will do this. I will I will I will, uh, I, will, I, will I will say that, and then we could we could bounce around the idea. They, they, they give you sort of the, my criteria, and you can talk about what yours would be if that's okay. If that's, uh, cool for you. Yeah, um, sounds good. Okay, my um my Mount Rushmore would be uh, Muhammad Ali. Okay. Uh, Tommy Smith and John Carlos. Uh, Colin Kaepernick, and Kurt Flood. Oh, oh, that's right. You're a baseball guy. Yes. <laughs> I'm a baseball guy too. I played. So yeah. Okay. And I okay. And I, and I but, you didn't, but you didn't, so you did, but you didn't really throw Kurt Flood in the book though. I know. Yeah. And, and honestly, and I wish that I, I mean, and I, I've, I've had the, the, the great fortune to uh, get to know some of his children uh, because they're doing so much to keep, uh, keep him alive. You know, that was one of the really challenging things about the book. I mean, um, it wasn't like an afterthought totally sometimes it was going on as i was sort of pulling pulling it all together it's like i could make this thing like five thousand pages i could make it 10 volumes and things like that you know how, but how do i make it all into one book and the people that in hindsight i wish that i had included would be uh would be kurt flood and arthur ash i would have uh okay i would have added and, and given a lot more uh a lot more space to um but you know a book is a book so but okay. kurt flood is always going to be uh on that list for me gotcha. uh, and yeah. the, the and the, the longer the more that i've had a chance to, to to read about him and learn about him and again talk to his family and his former teammates and and people who came up behind him um that's what that that that's why i've always put him on there but those would be my that, that would be my route rushmore 
Okay. Um, those are all, all heavy hitters. Uh, definitely. Um, I would put, I definitely, you have to put Muhammad Ali on the list. Um, and you know, John Carlo and Tommy Smith, those would be on there. Uh, but I would probably switch up the other ones. Um, um, two and I got two more. I would probably put, um, Colin, I would have to put Colin. So that's almost three, but I would put Megan Repino on there. That's and, a good one. And the reason why I would put her is because she, she spoke out about a lot of different things. Um, you know, it was women's rights. It was LGBTQ community and also racial. So she could have really been, um, thrown to the wolves. Um, you know, and I know just women's athletes in general already get the short end uh, of the stick. Um, but the fact that she, and and it wasn't that just that she was also galvanizing the league that the league had, they had to speak out. So she took on that stance too, that I'm going to be the spokesperson, but ladies, you guys have to come along with me. And I think that took a lot of courage uh, to do so whereby, I mean, with LeBron uh, being a, just for example, LeBron kind of had his own uh, platform. He had, he's just the king. So he had his platform to use it as best he had. You know, if you want to follow me, fine, but you don't have to do it. Um, but I think, you know, Megan, like, okay, this is what we needed to take a stance as a league and as women uh, in sports and got other and got other, you know, WNBA to follow as well. So I do think she would go on. She would go on there. So that's that's an outstanding addition. And um, full con- confession on that as well. Honestly, if I if I could, and I I made sure I got her in, in, into the book very heavily. Yeah, you know, which was really really important. Especially again, she was specifically and individually, along with all the teammates, were really specifically targeted by Trump during a lot of all that, what was going on at the time, while she was representing the United States on the, on the world stage with right. maybe the most successful team that wore this, the USA's colors in any sport, anywhere, at any time, ever. Even more than the men's basketball team, the women's basketball team. Yeah. I mean, the U.S. women's soccer team is just light years ahead of everybody. They have just run the world soccer game for yeah. so yep. long, and she has been at the center of that uh, forever. Um, but what I mean, and, and that was prior also, I don't know if it was in the same time period, and you could probably correct me, uh, where they were, the league or the professional league or the IOC was really challenging how much they get compensated and all of those different, I mean, yeah. they were, I mean, light years ahead of men's soccer, but yet uh, from a financial standpoint, they were not receiving what they deserved. So, yeah. Um, and. and- and you no, know, I'm I'm really glad you brought that up because again, you know, when when you get a chance to do a, a book like this and you think, again, I I can do ten volumes of this. Yeah. If I were to do the next volume, it would be strictly about the women athletes. It was really kind of a joy to give um, the WNBA players a spotlight uh, in this book. But um, yeah, I would you know, you know the the the, the U.S. women's soccer program. Would, would would get a huge one, you know, with her at the forefront of that. 
what what has gone on over the decades in women's tennis, starting with Billie Jean King, mm -hmm. going yeah. all the way through what uh, Venus and Serena have done, not just on the court and not just for black people and for all the people who have, who have been shut out historically from the sport, but what they've done in like, you know, equalizing, you know, the women's uh, prize money. Yeah, there you go. You got, a, you got a new kicking down those. those you days. got a new book to work on. So I believe there you go. I have a new book. Yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> so two yeah, more, two more questions, and then I'll let you go. But this has been, this has been great. Um, I'm interviewing David Steele, author of "It Was Always a Choice: uh, Picking Up the Baton of Athlete Activism." So let's kind of fast forward, I guess, thirty years from now. How do you think Colin Kaepernick will be remembered? You know, I, I honestly believe, and people sort of scoff at this when it gets sort of talked about. And even when it was, when he was at the sort of peak of his, uh, of his visibility, when, you know, so much was going on surrounding him, I really think that in enough time, he's going to be looked at like Ali and he's going to be looked at like Tommy Smith and John Carlos and a lot of the other athletes that we've seen, even though, you know, they won't, he, you know, he will not have had, you know, a fistful of championships and rings and medals and uh, things like that. I mean, the movement that he started, the fact that we can just, we, we say the phrase take a knee, I mean, he's the one who, he's, he's at the, the, the heart of that. He's the soul of that. He's, he was the, the man generating that when, when all the, when all the George Floyd protests were taking place, you know, four years after he had done it originally and long after he had, you know, been out of the NFL, never to return, that was the, the, the dominant choice of direct action. You know, people go out into the street and, and protest and they would take a knee someplace, you know, wherever it was they, they were. I mean, there were cops taking a knee, you know, realizing that, you know, right. they, you know, that there was no further, you know, there, there was no more resistance they could put up uh, against what was, what was going on. Uh, you know, that's always going to be, you know, associated with him. That's going to be an, an indelible thing. And people are going to associate the movement of, you know, the 2010, the late 2010s and 2020s, they, they're going to affiliate that with him, you know, and they're going to be, and he's, you really will not be able to talk about the history of the NFL without talking about him, because this is a very significant moment, you know, in NFL history, what has gone on since he, uh, since he started that, because it just sort of, you know, unleashed just, just hornet's nest of, of people saying that they've had enough, really, literally up to the point where the coaches mm. said we're going to sue, you know, to 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 stop the the discrimination in hiring, you know, where, where you know uh, the barrier for black quarterbacks, you know, maybe for good has finally come down, mm. Um, mm. you know, you know, a lot, and, and just everything that everything the league is going to have to fight with in terms of, you know, uh, whether players could speak out or speak up, you know. That's going to go on, and he's always going to be associated with that. Um, see, one of the things I mentioned in the book is that, you know, eventually Tommy Smith and John Carlos had statues built of them. And that was unfathomable at the time that they did that because it, it was believed that they were just going to be outcasts from sports. And there was no way any established institution would ever honor them with something like that. They were always going to be considered, you know, uh, you know, permanent outsiders and, 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 you know, permanent rejects from, you know, decent and polite sports society. Um, Ali eventually, you know, or, you know, earned that, uh, earned, earned a lot of those honors as well. He's this revered uh, revolutionary by the time he died. 
And now Tommy Smith and John Carlos have statues. You know, they're, they're literally in the Smithsonian now. And I believe that we're going to see that with Colin Kaepernick in 30 years, maybe 40 years, you know, but eventually that's where, that's where he would have been elevated. And, and I'll just say this much about that. I remember I'd sort of thrown that out there when he first started protesting. People started comparing him to Ali and those guys. And people literally laughed and said, don't ever dis, you know, uh, disgrace the name of Muhammad Ali by comparing this fraud, this disrespectful, troop-hating, you know, wow. <laughs> lazy bump wow. to, to, to him. And now you look at where he is now. And, you know. I think, right. I think that's how it's going to be. I think that's how it's going to go down in history. Right, right. Okay. Well, this is a question you, you it's a surprise. Um, but what I, uh, what I always do is, you know, because we as black men are, we do a lot. I mean, women do a lot too, but we're, we're out there trying to, to do the best we can within the struggle, but we don't always take the time to think about ourselves and you know what's going on in the world for us individually so i always like to end the end the show with just how are you doing you know as a black man in america (laughs) that is different yeah you know i think that what i what i want to think about a lot is that you know when i was much younger um and started realizing what i wanted to do uh, with my life and, and what I wanted to do for a living and, and whether or not I would be able to sort of follow my dreams and indulge in what I wanted to do. You know, I always wanted to write. I mean, I, I, I loved reading. I loved writing. And I was always hoping that I was going to get a chance to write about really these kind of things. I mean, you know, even things like growing up, hey, I'd love to talk about how, you know, I, you know, I love watching Hank Aaron and Willie Mays and, and all these great players and teams and things like that. But I also want to write about how there are no black managers, how there are no black head coaches, you know, why there ain't no blacks on, you know, TV, you know, uh, doing these commercials, you know, how come there are no black sportscasters, you know, things like that. I hope I get a chance to do that. And I got a chance to do that. But as I was, you know, coming along in the business, I was always like, (sighs) by the time I get to this point in my life, you know, 30 years later or whatever, and you know, I'm sort of an older head and I've gotten a chance to accomplish things and others have come behind me and things like that. Everything's going to be different. You know, we're going to have equality. You know, we're going to have justice. We're going to have freedom. We're going to be fully integrated into society. We're going to be exactly where we deserve to be. We're going to be comfortable having black presidents and black astronauts and black owners and black quarterbacks and just all these, all these great accomplishments. And, you know, we can live wherever we want to and, you know, we could just t- throw away all the things that we had to go through because I could see this happening. We're, we're, we're going to be the generation that's going to do all of that. And then we look at what's going on today and we're fighting like, uh, like, like our predecessors did. We're fighting like our fathers and uncles and grandparents and, and great grandparents, things like that, because they're, they're doing everything they can to hold on to what they had, to push us down, to break us, to end us, to erase us, to just stop us forever because they realize that if they ever give us a, a little, little tiny sliver of an opening, that there would be no stopping us. So they pulled out every trick in the book to try to stop us. And I think that is sort of the dominant thing that I think about all the time. It's like, it is still a fight. It is still a constant fight. 
And so all I want to do is start, try to stay strong, stay peaceful, keep a level head, you know, keep my mind at peace, my mind at ease, so that I always have enough reserves to, to continue to fight because, you know, you realize after a certain time, I can see who gets elected, who gets power, and whether you're still considered a threat and whether you can step out the door, ride the subway, or, you know, go back to your house with a can of iced tea and Skittles, you know, and know that your life can end right then and there just because somebody doesn't like the looks of you. It's going to be a burden. We're all we're, we're going to fight forever. And that, that the next generation is you know, going to have to win that battle. But I want to be one of the ones who can make that easier. So I want to stay strong. I want to believe that one of these generations soon is going to be the one that breaks through and is going to make us win on every level. Get to where we belong and where we deserve to be. Which I'm not sure if that was an answer, but. Yeah, no, I mean, that, that was uh, fantastic. And I do think that this, your book is a, a springboard to, to that because it helps, and especially for the young people that don't, you know, they don't know a lot of these stories. Um, uh, why it's great to fight and, and know about these things. Um, it probably should be a book that they should talk about in college, at the college level. And um, so, you know, those of you watching the show, pick up this book. It was always a choice. Picking up the baton of athlete activism, uh, the author David Steele. Uh, you won't be disappointed. It was fantastic. Thank you very much, man. I, 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 again, I really appreciate you reading it, talking about it, and talking about everything that it, uh, that it means. And I thank appreciate you. everything you do. All right, thank you. Uh, for all of you, um, this is the Black Men Speak podcast. My name is Keith Dent. You know, check us out. And, you know, Dave, when we find some hot legal uh, sports stuff, we'll definitely have you back on. I'll be here. I'm ready for you. What a thought-provoking interview. When we think about civil rights, we don't usually consider the role of sports and the men and women who put their careers and livelihoods on the line to advance not only the rights of the athletes, but the rights of all of us. David's book did a great job reminding us of that. Be sure to pick up his book. It was always a choice, picking up the baton of athletes activism. Black Men Speak was written, produced, and edited by me, Keith Dent. You can catch previous episodes wherever you find your favorite podcasts, like Apple Podcasts and Spotify, or wherever you, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. We always end the show with a quote, and today we will have a two-for-one from the late Jim Brown. The first one goes like this. The power is in between your ears. The power is in your heart. And I'm not interested in trying to work on people's perceptions. I am who I am. And if you don't take the time to learn about that, then your perception of me is going to be your problem. This is Keith Dent from the Black Man Speak Podcast. Peace.